Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 330 of the JV Club with my boy of summer and dear friend Steve Berg. He is, I'm, I just wanted to keep the ball rolling with boys of summer who are also my Voyage to the Stars um, colleagues because I just absolutely love doing that show and seeing them and uh, laughing ridiculously at all of their brilliance and getting really excited if I occasionally make them laugh. So uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. It's a, it was a delight and a joy to record. I want to thank Lexi Bronwyn Christine uh, for your wonderful emails. Thank you so much, my ladies. I want to shout out Nicole who runs my JanetVarney.com website. I do not know what I would do without her. Uh, I would have to learn much more about handling a website. And uh, I wanted to thank her because she's made some changes for me recently. And as long as I'm shouting out website runners, why don't I go ahead and give a big shout out to Chris Royce. If you haven't listened to his Talent Crush podcast that he does with Stevie Jackson, check it out. They are delightful human beings. And uh, I had a great time recording with them. I did an episode with them a couple months ago. Uh, What else do I want to tell you? Uh, If you are in the Brooklyn area, I am very, 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 very excited about our Spont Tour Co. shows at the Bell House in Brooklyn the weekend of the 21st. I really should have prepared that. Um, it, we are going to be there on the 20th. Yes, Saturday the 20th. So Brooklyn, Bell House, Spont Turco with Paul F. Tompkins, Eugene Cordero, a Eben Schletter, and Tawny Newsom, and me. Okay, enjoy all of this, and I will uh, speak with you soon. All right, listen, buddy, we're recording. Um, this episode should be called We Can't Stop Podcasting Together. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> this is very kind of you to come over and do this, considering that you're forced to work with me on a very regular basis. Yeah, I wouldn't be here unless you were paying me a significant amount of money. So, so should not, are we recording that? Should I? Anyway, a uh, lovely neighborhood this is. Um, yeah. It's, it's a I try every yeah. possible. <laughs> Silence. Has it, I'm sure like the Simpsons or a family guy or someone has done it where like all of those things occur in an empty silence. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The tumble. It's not weed. just a dry yeah, cough. Exactly. It's like a, a dry, a, a wind right, right, and uh, crickets and uh, a coyote dry cough. off the distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's funny that you think I'm paying you a significant amount of money. Um, but we'll address that offline. Okay, yeah, we'll address we'll, that we'll, offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to waste no podcast your time with that. No. But that. I am very litigious. Just know that. Okay. So, wow. This is a twist. Um, lots is a lot is different when we're not working for. And about Voyage to the Stars, yeah. you're a fairly different person. Yeah, we I'm agree on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't know all the behind-the-scenes stuff and my demands. And the my, BTS? My specific writer for that show. Okay, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, if yeah. it turned out that you were just insufferable and yeah. somehow... Hey, every You'll, once in a while You may find happens. out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, every <laughs> once in a while that happens where some you're the, fa- the front-facing person... That someone you like, it's I'm so I'm always so afraid that that's what's going to happen, and then I'm going to be like, oh my god, they're the best, and someone's and then, like, they made my life a nightmare well, for every day for five years. I feel like you find out about that stuff more and more about like an you know an artist. Like I used to love Morrissey and the Smiths, yeah. and now I'm finding out he's like one of the world's worst people. Yeah, that's I mean, it's really a little sad. bit heartbreaking, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. April Richardson really was like, I can't believe I'm giving. She had to like give up. It was like giving up yeah. an addiction. I feel like, like too, my like, life I, has to change. I, I can't follow him his, anymore. Yeah, I didn't and, buy like, his yeah. new record. Like I mean. Yeah. Because I mean, he's—I don't know what's happening. Like, 
dementia or what? Maybe it is. It might be. I feel like it's almost something like he's lost his marbles completely. Yeah. But, you know, sorry, I don't want to get off on a Morrissey tangent. Oh, it's fine. Morrissey tangent is okay. the name of my Morrissey cover <laughs> band. No, it's Smith's cover band. It's um, so no. <laughs> so no problem at all. Okay, good, no good, good. Right, good. Um, no, but because you and I have, I think it's safe to say you and I have worked together in the capacity of Voyage to the Stars more than any other two people because yeah. of the Sorry yep, Not Sorry exactly, podcast. Exactly, exactly. Is it is it very hard for you to talk to me when I'm not being sorry? No, I'm really well. Not. I'm also gifted and classically trained, so I'm, oh able, I'm able to uh, compartmentalize that stuff. Transition. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most people probably would yeah. not be able to handle that. Yeah. So, I mean, luckily, I'm just equipped. Okay, well, that naturally that's to that's handle that impressive. Sort of You've definitely given me an opportunity to be intimidated by you. Yeah, good, again. Good, 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 good. Well, you know, really I want to uh, seeing the real lay the groundwork. You. Yes, respect me. Okay, so. Um, listen, I'm going to get into a tiny bit of backstory yeah, 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 because yeah. you and I didn't know each other we before no. Voice of the Stars. No. Ryan Koppel, the creator of the show, yep. brought us together. Yep. And, uh, although we have many friends in common. Yeah, a ton. In this and it was exactly like you would hope a friendship would begin with a bunch of mutual friends. Yep. Because you and I are also similar enough that like, if enough people are like, this person's great, I'm like, oh, this is going to... Exactly. Like I'll need, I need I need to be proven that it won't. Yeah, be. yeah. There's I'll like assume a, that it will be. There's like a background vouching thing that yeah. ha- that kind of happened, but even before I met, I'm like, oh, you yeah. know them. Uh, yeah. yeah, And those are all great people, you know. And yep. all, well, you know, not all, but uh-huh. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's go through. Let's go through. You want to go through the list? Yeah. I mean, I have some god awful yeah. friends that I don't stand up for at all. <laughs> yeah, we really hit it off. We yeah. just we just knew right away. Like, oh, this is going to be really fun. Easy yeah. peasy. You're just a very good person. Oh, stop it! You were too. That's what. That's what I. That's what my takeaway always. Which, and not in a boring way. Like, well, he's he's oh, just but nice. He's just a good guy. You know what he is? He's what agreeable. Are you do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he lets me drive. Yeah, I, I guess that's I, I what get to pick the restaurant every time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sad. Oh, um, you're just a really good guy. Like Thanks. I can tell from the beginning, like, oh, he has such a good heart. Now, oh, I don't know if you. that's because of where you're from. Um, I think part, I mean, I have very nice parents. What if you really were like, it is 100% solely because of the state that well, I'm from I think in it, these United States and you know nothing what? else. It, I think that it, it's a factor though, because yeah. Omaha specifically, like all of the Midwest, you know, here is very polite and nice, but Omaha is like, maybe it's because it's the most center mm-hmm. state there. It is so damn nice. Like if it's not like a small town, it's like yeah. you know roughly a million people. Yeah, but it is kind of those places. That if your car is like, you know, you get a flat tire, people will stop. You will never wait for AAA. Aww. AAA cannot beat a citizen. Yeah, for you know, for, and so it's it, it is. I feel like you just kind of when you grow up in that kind of vibe and like you know that kind of surrounding, you can't help but be infected yeah. by it. No, infected. <laughs> <laughs> it's a virus. That's not the you it's know. A virus. I guess uh, you know influenced by it. So yeah. I, I do feel like where you're from definitely has plays a plays a role. Yeah. What's so? It, this is not a devil's advocate thing, but oh, this yeah. is a, a genuine question. Um, the reason that people would maybe give in a city like L.A. or or New York or something about perhaps being less inclined to stop and help mm-hmm. someone would be maybe someone would cite crime as like an issue. So I guess my yeah. question is, yeah. how was, what did you know, have a, a sense of what crime is like in, in Omaha? Oh boy. I mean, you know, now uh, being older and re- understanding how like, you know, segregated a city like Omaha is, I realize there is a ton of crime. Yeah. But where I grew up, it was very like John Hughesy suburban yeah. white bread. And there was, I mean, no crime. The only yeah. crime that was happening were like, drunk teenagers like lighting stuff on fire right you know honestly that's truly what it was so yeah. i grew up in a very sheltered 
suburban environment. So to me, I didn't really know crime was something that happened on TV. Yeah. But not in my neighborhood. Well, I mean, that it is yeah. what it is. Like, it's what it's, it, it, you know, it's hard to, especially if you're a person who ends up in a more urban, rich environment to kind of go, oh, I wish I, I should have known or, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed that I didn't have a stronger right. sense of that when you're little. But when you're little, that's your reality is your reality. And it, it's it's. It's it takes a very specific kind of kid to be like, you know what? I'm going to stretch outside of my yeah. day to day and really try to get to know what's actually happening. Yeah, and world. I don't know how you even would, yeah. you know, like unless you had like parents like, cool, take the bus to you know right. this part of town and, and learn about that. But I mean, I feel like <laughs> that's that would it. be those are the only two options. Know, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah, take a bus into that part of that town. That part of town where yeah. the, you know there's no cool record stores. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's. I, I mean, you, you're, where are you from? Exactly? You're, Tucson, I know, uh, Tucson. Arizona, yeah. I mean, like my perception of Tucson feels similar to what, mm-hmm. you know, Omaha was. I mean, it yeah. seems like nice golf f- courses and, yeah. <laughs> you I mean, know, like. But I would say it's so close to the border right. that it has uh, plenty of like sort of, right. you know, there's lots of like immigration bullshit and drug stuff. Drug and stuff. All okay, that that's true. So, I never really thought about that. Even like when you were growing up. Yeah. I guess yeah. that isn't like a new thing, right? Really. No, but I mean, that's a fair question because there are things that have certainly, you know, they didn't have metal detectors in my high school when I was in high school and they right. certainly do now, you right. know, so it's it's fair to wonder how much of that kind of bleeds into um, your day to day. But uh, because my parents sent me to magnet schools, mm-hmm. I was like going to school in the barrio and stuff. Right. So it, I saw... Actually, the, the historic Tucson Barrio is actually wonderful. So I don't know why I'm acting like it was so yeah. tough. It was like a beautiful, co- right. colorful, culturally right. fantastic environment. But my middle school, however, was in a pretty bad neighborhood um, that was mostly African-American. And um, and so a lot of my classmates were from that neighborhood and were just awesome people who right. were, you really get a sense early on of like, I, I, you're, you're a victim of circumstance. And I really hope that somehow, and that's always the big question, right, about not to get too deep into like conservative versus liberal right. or socialism or anything like that, but it's so hard to know what the right move is to lift up people in a community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know the answer. You know I what? understand when people are like, I don't approve of that. I think yeah. that actually hurts. Instead right. of, I totally understand, but I'm also like, but what is there? Is there any perfect way of doing it? I well, don't I'll tell you what I think uh, being given an opportunity to understand systemic problems at a young age, like you were, is incredibly valuable because I don't think I understood until I was like in my early 20s and moved to LA because mm. I had never lived outside of like a small Midwest city yeah. where I really was oblivious to all that stuff. And when I moved to LA, I was like, oh, above me are like, you know, a mile above me are the richest people in America and a mile below me are the absolute poorest people. Yeah. And you cannot help, but I mean, unless you're completely have your blinders on to yeah. notice that stuff and be affected by it. Yeah. So, that's a great opportunity you had, probably. Like, I don't think most I've, kids and yet, got it. And yet, how much have I done to uh, actually make social change happen? Probably, probably more than you realize. Probably more than you Bless realize. You. Yeah. Bless you. Well, just by living how you do, I'm sure you're affecting people around you. You're an, you're an inspirational person to your friends. I'm guessing, not to me. <laughs> <laughs> In that moment, I thought, "What if I just leave silence? What's he yeah. going to do?" And Ooh. now I know <laughs> he gonna, twisted it back around it, and yeah. choked me with it. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so you really did just move straight from Omaha. It was Omaha, no, I LA, went to, I went to no? school at the University of Kansas, another very Midwest school, but yeah. it was a great like liberal college town. And then I went bummed around Europe as most like middle upper class kids do <laughs> after <laughs> college and then came right to LA and yeah. just for two years I didn't know what was happening. 
Yeah. I was scared to leave my little Santa Monica neighborhood. Oh, and Santa Terrified. Monica, by the way, not terrible, but yeah. But, uh, but no, it's the same as everyone everywhere yeah. else where there's just like the, it gets so disparate so quickly if oh, you're in a certain yeah. pocket. Yeah. Um, and, and did you, I thought I remembered one day when we weren't like shoot, when we weren't recording, uh, you and Ryan, because you're both from yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't you say something about it being kind of an affluent, like, is it, it's is it like an incredibly wealthy city? Where, what is, where does that come from? Well, I mean, I guess when the city was founded, like, you know, or like really started like, you know, in the early 20th century getting going, it was a river, river city. Mm-hmm. So it had tons of import and export. Mm-hmm. Some t- big textile companies from New York would start companies in Omaha because it was a good halfway point. Oh, okay. And then they built a railroad system right through there. So it was just a place where a lot of things were being moved through there. Yeah. And then the cattle industry was kind of like the epicenter of gotcha. the cattle industry. So, I mean, just, and ever since then, like, you know, now there's like, God, like 15 Fortune 500 companies and wow. Warren Buffett's from there. And so, and he like, he did an interesting thing like in the 70s, he shared his like Berkshire Hathaway stock with local people first. So there's like a bunch of people who are like school teachers oh, who now wow. are multimillionaires. Oh my god! Because they I put like two thousand dollars into Berkshire Hathaway like that's 30 amazing. Years ago. Yep. So like Ryan and I went to a high school where a lot of the families benefited directly off the you know Berkshire Hathaway stock. Yeah. So God, that is just something I would if unless you're a business major or you're from there. I wonder if anyone really has no a one, sense re- of no that. One really I have does. no. Yeah. I I truly had no true like real sense of of what Omaha would be known for. Yeah. I mean, listen, if I yeah. have to talk about Omaha steaks, I will. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and no one from Omaha, but that those. may be yeah. it. I mean, I yeah. probably would have said like, yeah. I know, cattle. Yeah. Um, but not had a sense of how prosperous that, right. that industry right. would be. And, you know, just it, specifically. And there. it's interesting because when a small ish town or city, I guess like Omaha has money, art will definitely come in. Mm. And so there's a really like strong indie rock, like, you know, Sail Creek Records, Love Records, and all, you know, Connor, Oberst, and Bright Eyes and stuff. They've really kind of elevated the place. Alexander Payne's from there and, you know, lives there most of the time. So they've sunk so much money into the art scene. And okay. so it's a really, like, kind of cool, you know, city where it has kind of like a Los Feliz, Silver Lake type yeah. area. And, like, you know, it's still small town Nebraska. It's nothing. We'll never match a big city. But uh, it's a cooler place than people think. Would I want to live there again? No. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, it's not the worst. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's when it is, that's so interesting to me, the phenomenon of, because I understand it on one level and, and yet it feels very alien to me on another, which is I can understand being from one place, coming to LA, working for a while, and then deciding that I wanted to live in a smaller community right. elsewhere right. that had nothing to do with show business. Right. I can relate to all of that. Where I where it loses me is I would not choose to move back to Tucson. And that's nothing. I mean, for me, it's mostly weather. Yeah. But it's hard to imagine experiencing like the career I've had and and then wanting to go back totally. to my hometown. Totally. That feels somehow... And again, it's not a judgment call on anyone who can. Right. I, I just... There's some kind of weird disconnect that happens for me yeah. where... I can't merge my young self and my adult self. I couldn't agree more. It's some kind of confusing. Yeah, because I too had that romantic idea of like hitting that whatever number is, whatever the number, the the imaginary number I've set for myself of it's enough money to where I don't have to be here all the time. Yeah. Because that is a goal of mine to where I would, you know, even if it's Ojai. Yeah. But I do have this idea of like, oh, I'd like to move somewhere closer or I mean smaller with mountains and stuff like that. But will I ever do that? Probably not. Because I don't, I mean, like, you know. The, the, you know, is that really, is that even possible? I mean, I think 
it's possible. I just think the way we set goals for ourselves, I think there are things that I have to, I've had to, especially as I get older, I've had to reconcile that I thought probably were important to me or that I thought like for something like that, I feel like if you knew implicitly like this is something I'm, I was really important to me, you might have made choices and you might, you might still make them, but that, that, that sort of like, like I think there are things I could have pursued more avidly for money in LA. Like if I had the kind of ambition that was Mm -hmm. like, I want to be able to make blah, 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 then I'll invest, blah, blah, blah. Then I'll get out because I absolutely have to, I want to live most of my time in blah, blah, blah. Then I probably would have made different choices. Whereas like, I clearly am okay enough with how things have gone that, You know, but but that but but how things have gone has not created a situation in which I'm like, right? Go buy a second house. Exactly, but sometimes I'm sure you do. Sometimes I, it's not like I'm turning down huge contracts all the time. But every once in a while, I get an offer where it's a horrible gig. Yeah, soul crushing. It might be like a commercial campaign or a show I don't want to do, but like the money's incredible. But I will turn down. And I guess if I had kids, it would be a different story. Luckily. Luckily, I don't. I shouldn't say that, but well, I chose not to, yeah, and I'm yeah. fine with that, obviously. But like, yeah. if I did have kids, I would have made a lot of different choices in this career. Yeah. So that is one luxury about not because it's like, well, as long as you have like enough money where you can keep a lifestyle up that you're happy with, right? I feel pretty good about it, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. So no, it's true. I mean, it's it is it's definitely a different decision. I mean, we have those conversations with our friends with kids all the time where they absolutely say like, "Well, I have preschool to pay for," yeah. so you know. Especially I, in LA, where you start paying like thirty grand a year at age four. Well, and I have that. I have that conversation in my head all the time, where I'm like, have, "Am I such a part of a community of people that does that that I would feel obliged to for that reason?" I bet you would. Or would I feel obliged to because I, after studying the state of affairs in public school, I absolutely would have to do that because I also would love to be able to send a child to public school because yeah. that's where I came from Absolutely. and I feel so it I. is important to have that vast range I of do too. types of and kids. My wife is a public school teacher and it's not great here. Yeah. The system is really tough. There's just so many kids, you know? So, but I agree with you. I feel like you would want to try like giving them a public education. I think the, like the motivation behind that is so right, you know, yeah. but at the same time, if you had the means, you're like, well, I can just give them so much better of an education if I, you know, take this job know. you when know it's, like, and when it's your kid i totally get it too yeah. that most people are like it i thought differently until it was my kid and then i had to make these choices and i i had to own that and right. admit to myself like wait now i see a totally different side of this right. and it's changed my mind yeah and all that kind of stuff yep. i get it I'm with you. we're just like the sanctimonious people on the side that are like why don't you put that money yeah. from crossroads <laughs> yeah. into a public school downtown for your child i mean i do to. think that all the time I mean, <laughs> imagine I know, if they did though because I that know, actually I like know. Why are people who can send their kids to Crossroads not taxed a significant amount higher to help pay for that stuff? But I don't know. I know. That's a whole other conversation. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're, well, I'll ask you this. Where were, what what did your parents do? Did you have, is that something that was ingrained in you from an early age? Kind of Um, maybe a sort of more like community, like let's all. Yeah. Well, my mom was a school teacher and she, she stopped being a teacher kind of when I was born too, like be a full-time mom mm-hmm. and my dad is a professor 
and like go. a research scientist. Both my ter- parents' teachers also. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That so, got, I got indoctrinated so early. I did too. And for a while I thought, I, and I still and, had this fancy of like being a professor because I think I would have loved it. I know, right? You know, you could Are your parents, do, do your parents bring the entertainment value that you carry into show business? Yes. Did they bring that to the oh, classes? Oh, yeah. And, and with a lot of pride too. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. And my dad may probably think he's a little, oh, they probably would. My dad thinks he's a little, probably a little funnier than he is, you know, like <laughs> lots of shtick. Maybe some props in there, you know. Oh, like I think my dad actually is as funny uh, as he thinks he is, but um, but there that it, but that still involves props. Oh yeah, oh, no. and, I, you know, and I know, and you know, I'm gonna get to an age where props are gonna become my repertoire. Right. I hope you know. Right. <laughs> okay, we're gonna take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. What do you look for in a book? Literally, if on the bag it said, like, this book made me shit my pants, I'd be like, that's, I'm buying this book. Yeah. Like, like, I think the problem with blurbs a lot of times. I like that we both want to crap ourselves <laughs> over books. What's the best way to e-read in the tub? Listen to that noise. I'm reviewing a plastic bag today. <laughs> <laughs> How do you find a good book? This is the most fucked up weird shit you've ever oh, yeah, read. I you're, like, into it. it. I'm like, hand it take, over. Take my money. I'm Brea Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We're reading glasses, and we solve all your bookish problems. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. What was your dad a professor of? Um, exercise physiology. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's like a super health dude, you know, like marathon runner and like still he's 75, plays tennis seven days a week. Wow. And, you know, uh, so he's, but, you know, he he did he did well for himself. He kind of became a sort of a celebrity in that field that no <laughs> one knows anything about. But Understood. he had like a great career that he was like driven and loved it. And I think seeing somebody who was so passionate and loved it, going to work every day was so important. He'd always, yes. He would always just tell me, he's like, do something that you love. Yeah. It's, you know, it's simple. You always hear that. But like, it was really important to me. I'm like, oh. Well, yeah. Especially if you, you hear, I hope what you love makes you a ton of money yeah. or you need to be able to support yourself. Right. It's sort of that stuff comes, that that stuff implants itself in your brain mm-hmm. differently than, right. you know, exactly. do what you love. Because I mean, doing what we do while there is the opportunity to make a lot of money or even like do pretty well. There are way better ways of making a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, in a more consistent oh way. Oh my god! More tr- yeah, I think about it all the more time. Like, wow, if I really true. want to be rich, yeah. After like grinding in LA for a while, like, I feel like yeah. I can move somewhere and probably like do yeah. okay. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, absolutely. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. The grind. Yeah, the grind that you, you it it. You get good at things that you don't necessarily view as real life skills yeah. until you kind of step back, and then you're like, well, actually, yeah, that's well, kind of you know toughened me up in this way, right. or made me have to be more right. Of a self-starter in this way and Absolutely. that kind of stuff. Well, you can't... Because it's easy for me to write off and be like, look, we're just kids. We're just a bunch of kids who we're don't know ma- anything. Yeah, we're getting rewarded for maturity, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. like... <laughs> but there is a... But if you really look at the people who you know, and like yourself, who are successful in this business, I think they are half artist, half salesperson. Hmm. You know, sales is huge in yeah. this business. I mean, you're selling yourself, blah, 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 but you're always like pitching ideas. Yeah. You're pitching small business ideas. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So I feel like you have to have that skill. Yeah. You don't have to unless your talent is so great that it's undeniable. Yeah. But I feel like that's like 10 people in this town. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, really, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I feel like most people I know who do well or are doing what they want, they're incredible at selling themselves and selling their ideas. Yeah. So, you know, it's art and commerce is an interesting conversation. It is. 
Because once again, it's sort of like tipping on, tipping quote unquote too far on either side. Yep. For whatever that means to you also informs like what you think of your own work. Absolutely. You know, how much you respect your choices and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Were you into theater when you were in high school? I was, I did. uh, I mean, I I have a photo of you in a football uniform. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like you didn't have to choose. Or did you? I'll tell you what, that is a thing of contention. I was sort of like a reluctant good athlete Mm -hmm. i was a big guy who was fast and so like the you know football and football's very big in nebraska i bet and i never really liked it i was always kind of an artsy kid who listened to like the cure you know so i football is not something i wanted to do but was kind of forced to do it because that was the cool thing to do and i was very influenced by like the popular crowd like i just want to be a part of the thing you know so i played football for a while never really liked it i was very good at it um, but I started, you know, my in ninth grade, I started taking theater classes. I'm like, ooh, this is fun. I love it. I love it. But then it started becoming a problem where I was late for football practice and I yeah. would get notes. Both of those have after school yeah, consequences. You exactly. know, like they have commitments that you make. So but... I got into a play and the thing was I was going to be late for football for 20 minutes every day. And it was like worked out, seemed really cool. And then one day I showed up to football practice and the coach was just like sick and tired of it. And he goes, hey, everyone come on in here. I was like, oh, God, this is not going to be good. And he's like, you know where Berg was? He was at theater practice or a drama club or something. I can't remember what exactly it was. And it shamed me so hard. Because <sighs> while I was a, I was kind of like a little bit of a. Dude. I was somewhat of a little bit of a depressive kid. And yeah. so that just, it messed me up. Yeah. And so the next day I quit theater. I'm like, I'll just play football. I guess I don't oh. want that kind of trouble. So This I is stopped. like a John Hughes movie. It is. It is. <laughs> so I stopped doing theater the rest of high school. Whoa! It, played, it really did. Yeah, it oh, messed Steve. me up. But it was fine because then, then I was so excited. Once I got out of high school, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be a double major in theater and film, and it's going to be great. I can start over." Yeah. You know, and I don't have to like be seen as like a football guy because I never liked it. My heart wasn't in it. Yeah. I didn't want to hurt people. Yeah. That was the thing. I used to tackle people, and then I would help them up. It was like, "Don't do that!" So I'm oh. like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> the gentle giant. Yeah, definitely like a yeah. gentle giant type thing where I think like people were like. You're big and you have natural skill. Like, just, you know, try hard on them. Like, I don't want to, like, lift weights after school. It sucks. Right, right. You know, I want to, like, smoke grass and go to punk shows. That's, yeah. you know, and so then I quit football and did that my senior year and I was so happy. Yeah. Did so. you did you have friends? Did you have, was there any crossover between friends that, like, were there other people like that on the team that oh, were just not that um, into it? Or were you Yeah, kind of- I think there were some people who, like, ended up, like, you know, quitting and starting bands. And those are the people I hung out with, more of the RC yeah. kids. Like, not that, like, the football player people people were not you know they were nice and great but like i just had more in common with people who like didn't want to be part of that yeah you know what i mean do you remember when you started getting more into that stuff like were you always that way because i was i that road for me was like i saw i was sort of stepping towards it in junior high but i definitely saw people who were like already super alternative right and it took me the transition of going to high school where i was i did kind of see like oh yeah. this is a fresh start yeah i guess i could be an insta goth right <laughs> you know my transition was a little slower and probably more conservative to where i like love the life love the culture but i was more of like a button-down punk kid mm-hmm. to where i kind of dress i didn't want to like fully commit to like the wardrobe and stuff, even yeah. though I'd flirt with it. I might wear like colorful shoes, but then uh-huh. like a polo shirt, you know, like slowly it was a slow yeah. transition. Yeah. And then by the time I was in college, I was like dressing like pavement, you know, yeah. buying all my clothes at thrift stores. I was like, this is great. Yeah. Dating girls who look like they were in Slater Kenny, you know, like yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, and then yeah, I felt yeah. like fully myself. Honestly, yeah. that, and it was such a great feeling. Yeah. 
So I feel like, oh, I can be myself. Colorful shoes. <laughs> yeah. I know I wanted more information on what colorful shoes oh, make there you were, a listener of the cure. Oh, probably some kind of like, you know, Adidas gazelle indoor soccer <laughs> shoe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe purple or blue. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Like, yeah I Very 90s cool. Sure. You know, yeah. I, I watch movies like, you know, even though like Reality Bites was like, you know, ahead of our time. Yeah. That's who I aspire to be like. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be yeah, those Ethan are like Hawk our big with... brothers and sisters oh, of coolness. Yeah. I want to smoke cigs and have greasy hair and like be concerned about coffee and stuff, uh-huh. you know, like <laughs> and uh, you know, it was but I was too young for that. But man, I still like in my back, I you know, whenever I like, think about movies, I'm like, oh, that was the cool generation, right? That first kind of Gen X, I still like really look up to them, yeah. But also, especially with a, with a movie like that, that people still refer to. So it does have that yeah. power um, because it did have that self-awareness and it sort of told you to think of it as cool. Oh, yeah. You know, as it's happening, yeah. it's kind of like, yo, we're the cool generation. Yeah. FYI. And I drank the Kool-Aid and I still yeah. do. I still, reg- I was lucky, lucky enough to like work a day with Winona Ryder and I wasn't like impressed by her body of work, but more of her as like a gen x icon well yeah absolutely. you know like, whoa you're winona man you're the coolest you yeah. know like so even though she was kind of like weird and like a lot of people are like she's very difficult i'm like are you kidding me who cares <laughs> look at her she's still smoking cigs <laughs> how cool is that <laughs> oh no not cool <laughs> not, not cool, not cool not at all cool. oh my god was that one of your crushes then but the sound oh like yeah be. i loved her i thought she was yeah. the coolest person in the world what and, a, who else were you Please say Jamie Gertz and the Lost Boys. Oh, also, also before your time. Man. Yeah, yeah. It's but still... no, Jamie Gertz was great. Oh, you know, uh, Patton Oswalt's wife and I, Meredith Salinger. Mm-hmm. I really loved oh, the movie yeah. Dream a Little Dream when I was a kid. Oh, <laughs> And God. I thought she was the most beautiful That's girl I'd right. ever seen in my entire life. That's right. And she That's... became kind of my type when I was yeah. like, you know, younger. I would kind of try to date girls who were sort of in that. Yeah. Um you know, vibe, whatever. And then I actually got, I sort of know her a little bit because I know Pat and I've yeah. met her a couple times. I'm like, whoa, this is yeah. crazy. You were like my eighth grade crush. Amazing. Yeah. And she's so nice. Yeah, she's really Oh my nice. God, she's the nicest person. Yeah, she really is. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it is nice when you find out that your crush is not yeah. something that you and have getting, to go and like, well, like the retroact- Yeah, retrospectively and yeah. retroactively. And that'll happen. Yeah, that'll it does. Happen. It can and does. Yeah. I don't want you to name names, but has it hap- have you had a, a handful of like don't meet your hero moments here? Yes, I have. That's a shame. Not, you know, not terrible ones, but a couple, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I don't want to name names, obviously, but uh. Yep. That is really disappointing. And it's usually something petty or it's just like a lack of patience with people or, you know, I guess my biggest thing, and I'm sure you hate it too, is like when you see people in positions of power, especially on set, treating like, you know, PAs or the electricians like shit. Yeah. It bothers me so much to a point where I feel like I'm going to start crying yeah. and get like mad and break things. Yeah. It's just like, how can you do that? I know. You were in such a, you know... I mean, you should be so gracious. Like yeah. every everyone's replaceable. Yeah. Like who gets to do that? I, I don't, don't know understand. if I've, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I definitely have had the thought at one point or another, like if I found out I only had six months to live and I needed to fill my time with something, so I wasn't just feeling dread and <laughs> right, despair. Right. And if if it was a movie, like one of those movies where someone's like the bucket list. Yes. I have thought to myself, like, oh, it would be so freeing to just go on to some set where I've heard yeah. the worst yep. and then just, like, scream at the yeah. top of my lungs yep. at someone. And just belittle them and put them in their place and yeah. say, like, I know you're so sad inside and that's why you behave like this. Yeah. 
doesn't give you the right to do it. Doesn't give you the right to do it. Yeah, and because that's usually the thing. I mean, I think all assholes, especially like rich, like uh, elitist assholes, they're just very sad people. Yeah. With low self esteem. But you know what? Inter- yeah. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Didn't no, no, no. That was that was all. You. That was it. Well, I was. It's funny because I think when you when you talk about those people, like I do, I get the same thing. I bet like I get that like churning kind of anger. Yeah. Where that I don't know what to do with. Me, I'm like, where do here. I put this? Yeah. Um. And and it's interesting because I think. You know, I'm sure some people listening to this would be like, well, that sounds like a Me Too situation. Right. It sounds like a situation where we, we should have moved past that. Yeah. And and it, it it is interesting because that one particular thing of sexual harassment um, has started to be addressed. Right. And, you know, like anything, you have to be careful with it because, you know, it's not sometimes it is more gray. And I right. don't mean don't believe the woman at all. No, but of course. But yeah, there are there there, you know, it's it's there. It raises questions sometimes that deserve to be answered. Yeah. And and thoughtfully and conversations had rather than, yeah. you know, anything. Well, with I the guess gravity we got it figured out. Uh, shame. Yeah. Yeah. The answer it, is shame. It's not. Yeah. It's not yeah. cut and dry. It yeah. Has it, to be, it has to be dealt with beyond that point. Absolutely. And, but but it's funny because that has not I don't feel that that's really touched plenty of people in Hollywood who are known to just be awful. Yeah. And it's not sexual. No, and it's not sexist. It's, it's equal opportunity. And, and it's that just jerks. And it's public shaming. I've, yeah. I've mean, I've sadly I've worked on more than my fair share of toxic sets. Yeah. And, and it's usually ones where I'm like there for a week where I'm a guest star or yeah. something like that. But, you know, obviously I won't name names, but like it is crazy. I feel like how, how much this goes on. Yeah. Because I don't think it's like, uh, you know, like, Oh, you know, most shows are so pleasant and harmonious. I feel like it's kind of like a third of them are like really rough to be on. Maybe they are. And you can yeah. tell the people who are there look like they like even like you can always tell a lot by when you first get to work and you're in the makeup room or in the makeup trailer. Yeah. What's the vibe and whatever the vibe is in yeah. there is gonna how it's gonna be. You're totally set. right. And you're so totally if, right. if they're in there and they're stressed out and they feel like, you know, they're rushing stuff. I mean, no, it's inside baseball stuff. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. But I mean, I think that you can kind of carry that out into other workplace environments. I don't know oh, what the, sure. you know, probably like the vibe of the mailroom in just about Absolutely. any business, you Absolutely. know, that has one. Yeah. I'm sure like that you can sort of feel the vibe in oh, that yeah. initial kind of experience. For of sure. What, what is it? What is it like to be at the quote unquote bottom of the pile or yep. something? Not to say makeup artists are, yeah. but in terms of like those places that for whatever reason give you a sliver of what's it like working for this company? It's yep. like, well, it doesn't really matter how great it is to work for this company if you're an executive. Right. It matters how it is to work for this company when you're when you're in a position right. that's considered to be lower than everybody right. else, whether you rise up from it or not. And that's, that an, that's an interesting point. That should be the barometer of the success of a company. Yeah. Is if the person at the bottom feels that they're being treated fairly and they're somewhat of a happy workplace. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's not like, oh, the exact like, it's great. We're doing, you know, yeah. the, our margins are, I don't even know how to talk business yeah. talk. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fake. Margins and red lines skills and, yeah, and they, well, I gotta wait. Is, have you taken a look at that P and something <laughs> yeah, report? The, the something profit in yeah. <laughs> what's the opposite of profit? We are in red or black. I, yeah. I don't know which is good or which yeah. is bad. They're both. They could both be very stylish. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to exactly. say either. Is, yeah. They both complement each other. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Well, what t- what type of um, did you have part time jobs and stuff in high school and college? Or I not did. Oh, did I did. I loved working. I loved like you know uh, I had a job at a bagel shop. Great. And I got fired pretty quick, so I just decided to give all the bagels away to my friends. Uh-huh. I thought that's what you did me at jobs. And no, you guys don't pay. Everyone knows. Everyone else pays. Once you're yeah. The counter, and so I got fired very fast. And that was just my own. 
that was not being me being like devious. I, was, no, I, no, I thought that was cool to do, yeah, you know, yeah. like, and I've oh, done that no. multiple jobs and been fired for them. But um, <laughs> I ended up working like landscaping for like my friend's like mom who had like a landscaping business, which is basically we were just being paid to, you know, screw around. Yeah. But nothing like serious. Yeah. And then in college, I was like a short order cook and worked at a record store and I was a college DJ for a little bit. Oh, I wow. loved, that was like my favorite job I've ever had. No kidding. Honest. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it's hard. That uh, Did you even think of it as a job while you were doing no, it? No, I thought it was something yeah. I got to do. And they paid you, I mean, like barely anything. I don't even think it was minimum wage. But right. like, I was like, you're going to give me a midnight to four in the morning slot where I can and play you did? like you hardcore punk. Oh my, oh, I loved it. Oh, I was great. in heaven. You what know? day? Was it one day a week or was no, it? No, uh, like well, night? it started like once a month and then I got like a show a week and then I had like, uh, I think I had two slots by the end, which is pretty good. And yeah. it was a really kind of like, Rolling Stone always like great college radio stations and ours was always like in the top 10. So it was like so very cool. You know, yeah. and I got, I got like a bunch of good records, you know, cause I would write like Matador records and say like, Hey, I'm in a college radio and they yeah. would send us a stack. And so music was oh, so important to me. So for me, I was like, you know, I could just do this forever. Yeah. But, uh, you can't really do that forever. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. Yeah. No, I bet you got you. If you wanted to be performing, you had to. You got. Yeah, but that was kind of like early performing live. You know, oh, yeah, I, for sure. I loved it. I was, I, yeah. thought, I felt such a rush doing that because, like, I did like a lot of like classical theater in college. Nothing really comedy. I mean, I did some improv, but like those avenues really weren't an option at the school I was at. There was yeah. like, no sketch groups or like so, comedy. Tr- there was like a small comedy troupe. I didn't think what they were doing was very yeah. funny. So now I was like into Mr. Show, and I'm like, I want to do like different stuff, man. So yeah. I'll wait until I get to L.A. You know, yeah. Like. But uh, yeah, it was mostly just kind of classical theater stuff, like short originals. But I like that. That was a good foundation, I guess. Yeah. That you have to unlearn quickly when you move to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Every acting class, like thing I studied for acting. I mean, like a lot of it, with the except for the like very basics, doesn't really translate to film and TV, at least for me. Right. I didn't feel. I never. I always wonder. It feels like, and I, this is no disrespect to to fine, fine American classically trained right. or modern trained actors, but because the pool is so much smaller, um, and and so people seem to, and and actually, it's still probably a total bummer because if you're not inside that world and you're trying to break in, it might be really hard because everyone just keeps getting the same jobs yeah. over and over. Right. When I watch British stuff right. you're like oh that person is now it seems like there's more like i want to say, almost want to say code switching but there's more like this cool person is in this totally cool right. like hip show about mm-hmm. like drugs yeah and, the, but, and then they're like and then the next thing they play is like an, a, an aristocrat in yeah. 1782 yeah the range is unreal they're, the range of what they're allowed right. to be thought of as yes. to me from afar and i could be dead wrong about it but i perceive it as being like oh you're not pigeonholed the same way you know i feel like disagree, I, I, I feel like your perception is right on the money because i was actually just having a conversation with my friend this morning over breakfast and we were talking about like how when we first moved out here we we're like you know actually getting opportunities to audition for pilots and stuff you were being rewarded for playing yourself yeah they didn't want much like acting or character stuff it's like read the lines like yourself and if we like who you are you get the part yeah which is so even more of a mind fuck when it is you're a huge mind trying fuck. to figure out what your value yeah because you is. come up with, like doing theater and it's like get into the character and stretch yourself yeah you know steve is just a thin veil and doesn't right. exist <laughs> And now they're saying, no, we want all Steve. Read yeah. these as real and grand as possible. And now we're not going to give you the part because we apparently don't think you, Steve, are exactly. worth it. Yeah. Which is like a double mind fuck. Yeah. Like, wait, you hate me and I think of the part. Yeah. But it was such, I mean, like, honestly, it took me like three years to learn how to properly audition as myself. 
because mm. it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, like it's still like now it's not because I have you know no pride, no ego, but like <laughs> <laughs> it's all been destroyed. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that was a thing because I think the business, at least when I moved out here, was changing. Mm-hmm. I think comedy was changing from like broad multicam sitcoms to a more British office influenced, yep. grounded, keep it real, which ended up being a rewarding way to perform too. Yeah. But I wonder where it's at now. Now yeah. I'm just not sure what it is. Have you done a play since being since kind of transitioning into this part of, um, of working? I guess the, I did a one play out here that was at the uh, uh, oh god what was it? the um, oh oh my god no it's a famous really <laughs> okay. uh, yeah I can't remember what it was it wasn't a huge prestigious theater but uh, like 10 years ago and it was okay I remember once I started that we were doing rehearsals and I had been doing a ton of sketch and improv I'm like oh, this world doesn't feel I don't feel like I belong in it anymore mm. and I was like it was a good experience but now I'm just gonna focus on comedy yeah because you, you you really got to, with comedy and you know especially like sketch and improv it's like you write it you produce it you put it up if it is successful or you know people come and like it that's all on you and i was like this is great what a pure way to express yourself yeah you know where no one's giving you notes i just thought that was incredible i never thought in a million years i would ever get to do that yeah. like had i just done that and then you know had to move home because or move somewhere else because i didn't have money i'd be like well i kind of did it you yeah. know like that was my original intention yeah. so you know I, that was such a great i think i'm sure you feel the same way a lot of people who do improv and sketch it's like that's a big goal is to, you know, not just put up a show, but one that people like and people come to and like, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty no, cool I mean, thing. I think we've like, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, even just a sense of kind of ownership of something like Voyage is, yeah. you know, knowing that, you know, obviously Ryan it created the, the, the building of right. the world that we then went inside and put right. all the furniture into right. or whatever. But, um, as a group that in, of course includes him, uh, you really have the sense. And that's certainly, that's true on a, on a set where everybody kind of believes in what they're doing. Right. I felt that on stand right. against evil and it wasn't right. improv, but, but when you're in a room, especially like the intimacy of, I think the intimacy of recording something like that is, maybe connected to the the reason people love podcasts because of the intimacy in it in your yes. ears yes. when it's just that like closed room with just a handful of right. people and you are making shit up yeah. and you're leaning on each other right. to move it forward right there is a bond that is kind of unique to that room that is even different from being on a set oh with yeah a bunch of people oh yeah or being in a play with a bunch of people or even you know totally well you i mean you're in a small room where you're like well if i don't trust everyone I'm not going to do my job well. Yeah. So even if I don't necessarily believe that, or like, you know, I guess the like day one, we, like I sort of knew you, I met you a little bit. I yeah. sort of knew Felicia and I've known Colton for a while, but we don't like hang out all the time. Yeah. I was like, I just have to trust these people. Otherwise I'm going to do shitty. Like, you know, yeah, but that's a hard thing to do. You yeah. have to like trick yourself into it. And luckily enough by three hours, in, I'm like, Oh, I actually really do trust these people. Yeah. But, Thank God, because I've been in those situations where, like, you trust everybody. This is great. And then you find out, like, oh, I don't at all. This is not going to work out. You know, like, especially Oh, this one person is mean and is yeah, throwing me under the bus exactly. at every opportunity. Or there's treating someone else so badly. And, like, do I step in? And, yeah. Like, because I, uh, you know, like, I, I, I feel like now nowadays, like, when I find somebody being mistreated, I definitely speak up. Yeah. Especially with the things that have been happening last year or two. But, like, yeah. You just really should. And like you, you have to realize that you're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. Like you're not going to get fired for your job, but like to let people get like steamrolled. Yeah. Oh dude, you just can't do that yeah. anymore. It's awful. I'm glad that you, that you, that you feel that way and that it doesn't feel 
threatening to, you know, yeah. to say something. Cause I think a lot of people, I hope, feel that way now. It's like, I feel like you're not going to no, need like say something. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. Like, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, there are certain things that you've been doing um, okay. while we've been recording that <laughs> okay. I just see the way you steamroll people. Yeah, Devin, well, wonderful, sweet Devin, who's just in there recording right, laughing his ass off because right. he uh, enjoys what we're doing. Well, you've got to stop being The reality is I'm just bigger than him. And he can, what is he going to do about it? You know, I like, mean, there's a pane of glass separating you. Yeah, well, he's lucky there's a pane of glass. Oh, boy. This yeah. is... I'm a real fireball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real mean son of a bitch. It is weird that you, that, I, I, I've talked about this in the podcast before, so I won't bore everyone. I'll just bore you offline Please sometime. Worry. But the, but the, the thing that happens that I feel I'm hearing you say as well of being funny or liking funny stuff in yeah. real life and being playful and, right. and having like the, I made someone laugh kind right. of probably that you got from your parents. Oh like yeah, I got for from sure. Mine, that, that, that exists in your social world and you like performing and somehow you don't join the comedy group. Like yeah. I was the same way in my first yep. college NAU. There was a troupe called the Naughty Bits and <laughs> what NAU Naughty Bits. That and is so, yeah. that sounds like something you would make up. I know. <laughs> like, See, that's why I should have tried out. Exactly. Yeah, I mean they 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 and they were and I. What I am telling you that I know about them is about that much. Right. And it was a small theater department and it right. was a bunch of people I knew. And yet I thought of that as like someone else's thing. Yep. I never asked about it. Yep. I ne they would be doing a show and I would be like, oh, that's cool. Right. Like they're doing like, like whose line is it anyway? Right. That's not me. Mm -hmm. And I just never, I never sought after bridging that gap until later. Yep. I, and it just is funny to look back and go like, oh, all the material, all the raw material and the desire was there. Right. But there was a huge lacuna. Like there was a huge gap. Yeah. Leading to me actually doing it. I, I couldn't agree more. I also I, I also perceived improv when I was in college to be a goofball, idiotic thing to do. Yeah. I remember seeing, I mean, I saw like an imp a live improv show once. And I was like, oh, that is terrible. <laughs> terrible and so i'm like you want me to do this on my free time like you right. know like play hitchhiker on a stage for people right cut two years later i'm like begging to play uh -huh. hitchhiker. It's <laughs> <laughs> saying yes to literally every improv show that comes my way well but. it's hard because i think theater can kind of i mean first of all if you saw a bad show you saw a bad show yeah. and there is nothing worse than yeah. that improv and i cannot is, think of anything worse than and that also improv. you have to think about this i feel like most improv shows I mean, the odds of seeing a, a good one or a great one yeah. are low, yeah. I think. And I, I include myself as having yes. been part of really bad improv shows. I've been a shows, part you of have to many to bad better. ones, but many great ones. Yeah. That's the thing about improv. It's like, sometimes I would feel like a bad show is more worthwhile to watch and perform as opposed to like a medium one that's like a C plus, yeah. you know, where it's kind of like, oh, we had some funny bits and we, you know, kind of muttered it's our way through it. It's harder to see what could have been better Absolutely. and Absolutely. And I feel better. like when you're, you have a bunch of good people on stage and it doesn't go well, well, they were trying something so mm -hmm. risky that like, I can admire that. Yeah. But like the medium improv, I'm like, oh, what a snooze. Yeah. You know, I'd rather see someone fail. And you, you know, like great performers fail all the time in improv, yeah. and that's like the beautiful thing. Absolutely, imperfections are fun to watch. I think I, from talented people. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a it's well, but it's still even for me when I watch improv, it's I I guess I'm self centered enough that I either am uncomfortable if it's not going well because my heart is aching because right. I know yeah that feeling, 
um, of being on stage and having that happen, or it's so fun and it's going so great that I'm like, ah, that I yeah. sort of feel on the edge of my right. seat. Like, I wish I could jump. I know what I would do in that totally. moment. Yeah. It's hard to turn your brain off. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And nor should you, right. to your point, like if you're watching it and learning something right. from it. But yeah, from a participative standpoint, it's hard for me to turn off my brain of like, cause, cause that's, it's almost like it is a patchwork of your brain that you plug something into yes. and you, pl- and, and once you've got that, that system that you know how to access, it's hard for it not to just automatically turn on right. when you're watching someone because it's such a cooperative, Oh yeah. you know, energized mm-hmm. like vibe that just watching it is almost impossible for me because my brain just goes, I recognize that like yep. Pavlovian, like yep. click exactly. that's, that muscles on. Now I'm like, say this, do this. Oh, how about a scene where like in right. my head, oh, totally. you know, Ooh, I hope someone predict- jumps on that and takes that. Ex- as- make that the game. Make that yeah, 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 totally. Now I want to ask you this question. Maybe you should coach improv. That sounds kind of fun. Have you ever tried? No. Well, I, a little bit. I subbed for a couple like Herald team coaching things where people were just desperate and then they yeah. would ask me. Like, uh-huh. I didn't think they assumed you, I wouldn't be a good, good coach. Uh-huh. And they were totally right. Uh-huh. I had no, like, I was good at analyzing a scene, but then to actually give them notes, I was like, I, you, you know, uh, Tim, just maybe be funnier. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I think I, because we did work to the, uh, Annie Savage and, and Mark Agliardi and Hal Lublin and I taught, um, a couple classes at Max FunCon this year. Right. And I, I did enjoy it. And I yeah. do feel like I had, I didn't know going in if I would have feedback that was valuable. Right. I can't speak for the people who took right. the class. They might be like, it was garbage. <laughs> um, but from my perspective, I felt like maybe I was able to help right. in some way. Like I bet you were. Not You're expecting a... it. I was like, oh, I think, what if I put this this way to this, right. these people? Does right. that seem like it makes sense? Does that shift like the understanding a right. little bit? Or That's the tough thing about improv, though. I feel like I would maybe be a potential good teacher or coach for experienced people yeah who had like done it for a year or two maybe performed a little bit i'm like oh here's a couple ideas to maybe next level it or like you know now start breaking the rules yeah but to teach like a 101 or a 102 like a guy like craig kurkowski i love he was like one of my first teachers out here and what a genius so influential so great and he was so cool about giving me like personal advice and personal coaching after like don't wear that shirt How'd you know? Did you, did you say that to everyone? <laughs> but you know, I mean, like Craig is obviously, if you've never seen Craig Kaskey perform, do because he's one of the greats. Yeah. I can say that with all confidence. I feel like most people know about improv. Yeah. They know about Craig. Yeah. But the guy also happens to be the greatest analyzer and teacher. Like he was and probably a big reason I kept on doing it because I was very, very serious. Mm. Like I wasn't taking it for fun. I was like, oh, this is going to be my life. I am so serious about yeah. this. And he saw that. And so he would take the time to really talk to me about it and like try to help me and give me advice. Because I'm like, I have to get on stage. He's like, okay, well, calm down. Here's how you do it. Yeah. You know, like, because yeah. I was just like foaming at the mouth. And I feel like a lot of people were like, I like it a lot. But I was like, you know, yeah. I wanted to get great at it really fast. What's great about that too is that Craig has, um, he has such a quiet energy that if you had that high, because there are people who, teach and perform who have a tremendously high like vibrating energy and I probably am one of them I mean I think I'm not super like just the sit back and be chill person I'm the same way and but I think how great for you to have somebody like him who 
is t- all about taking a step back and not offering anything right. in a scene unless it really helps yeah. it and is not afraid to just like be silent for a fair amount of time yep. and then come in with a gem with a gem like just to be the shark that not the shark in a yeah. bad way but you know just the the, the yeah. it, like the mountain lion sneaks up and you don't yep. even realize he's there and then right. he, he just drops it you know he was able to do something that i remember seeing like a lot of so many great like bear shark mice and a bunch of great ass cat a bunch of these great shows but then I would see Craig do something where, where he was like taking the performance aspect of it and taking it to the next level where he was actually playing subtleties. Yeah. Which you do not see much in any kind of improv, let alone high level improv. Yeah. Where he was actually like doing it so subtle that like maybe only 30% of the audience would even catch what he was doing. But if you did, you're like, oh, I just witnessed next level shit on yeah. stage. And that's why I felt when I first saw him perform and, and you know, he taught me. And I still know him today. I, whenever, you know, I see Craig quite often and I'm still like, Kind of like I still revere him. He probably doesn't know that, you know. Yeah. Like I remember, like, we played tennis once ago. I'm like, oh, I'm playing tennis with Craig, <laughs> improv guru. Like you know, like but like I still like look at him with like a lot of admiration, you know. Yeah. Even though like he probably sees us as somewhat equals, whatever I'm in the sure. business and stuff. But like, you should come Craig play with Kowski. the work juice. I'd love to, sometime. man. I'd still be. That's I'd be a scared. Good, nice group. I'd be very nervous yeah. though. I feel that's a very warm and fuzzy group. I'm sure it is. It's I'm very sure. warm. And I'm fuzzy. nervous about everything. Like there are pe- there are groups where you know I don't go to an ass cat show necessarily expecting like hugs and kisses. No, I expect some some people who do ass cat are like they definitely have barbs. They definitely yeah. have little like yeah. They may not be, and that doesn't mean they're not wonderful people, but totally. they may come from something that feels like it has a little more of a, right. a you know, right. like a little more snark or just yeah. like hard, like more hard teasing you, you know? Yeah. Than, more like more like, direct ball busting. Yeah. Right, yeah. Which can go. be, which I can play that there game, but go. at a certain point I'm like, I mean, I'm about, I am about yeah. ready to go on stage and you just sort of hurt my feelings. But it's like, I didn't sign up to play football. Yeah, exactly. You know what it, I mean? It, Suddenly it, you're back playing football and yeah, you're like, oh, and I don't want to. No. Oh, I made you look bad because I yeah. made fun of something you said, but right. it was too mean spirited. Right. And now I have to pick you. I tackled you. Yeah. Now I have to pick you up. Oh, I cannot believe that callback I just did as we were talking about improv. Yeah. <laughs> it was an ICB. That was the next level. That was an ICB. Thank you. But I, you know, I was part of probably a handful of different groups like that where it was like, dude heavy. It's like, we work hard, we play hard, man. You know, like let's sell this show out, yeah. kill it, and yeah. then get shit faced yeah. afterwards. And like that was sort of my cycle for a lot of years. And then yeah. which I think is sort of one of the things that led me to burning out of improv. Yeah. I mean, I did it for ten years so intensely. It almost sounds like you could tell yourself that's the punk rock of improv. Yeah, and it if was. You liked the kind of punk music and you liked I did that. like that. Yeah. I liked it. And I you know, like that when UCB first came here, I was like on board and I started performing there right away and I was like yes yeah and then after a while I was like I am just starting to fall I think I was working more too and that was starting to become like not a problem but like I got asked to leave a team because I was on a show and I, I remember being so offended they were like Steve you're missing rehearsals and like half the shows and like we need you to make a choice I'm like but I'm on a TV show. Like, I'm Isn't that it, like, one of the reasons we're all uh, Yeah, here? and I was actually like really kind of like sad about it. I'm like, oh, I guess I had to you like. You got punished for. I got punished. Getting work. And, 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 I, I, and I feel like that was never handled right by mm. the coach or whatever. But I was like, they were asking me to leave because they were like, and I guess the team was talking about it. Like Steve's working too much and like not dedicated to performing. I'm like, I guess I'm not. I do like, I'm here to make money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was sort of like the beginning of the end of my like consistent improv performing. Yeah. But it was great. I love it. And I do shows every once in a while. It's wonderful. And I, but I don't feel the need to do it weekly anymore. Well, yeah. And I've 
say I always say this, but that's I think that's also a reason I never pursued stand up is that mm-hmm. I just don't have that like where what's the next open mic I can yeah, hit? Yeah, I know. And I, did you do stand up? No, really? never. For that reason, you, I just don't. Oh, I, you would have been able to do it so easily. Um, I, I disagree. I did I think, do I, it. I think I would get in my own way. You maybe you know what? Here's the thing. I feel like the improviser mind and like the stand up mind is very different. I definitely want to be part of a group. And I felt more comfortable being behind the veil of a character. Same. I did stand-up uh, for like a year and a half and did well really fast. Like I got to play the comedy store and like the improv and some like M bar. And like, yeah. Luckily, because I had a manager at the time who was t- shit manager, but had, knew, had connections at all the clubs. Mm-hmm. So I got to bypass the open mic thing, which probably hurt me. But like I would do well. And like people who were, I was like the not, no one knew who I was. Yeah. But I would do pretty well. And then I realized though, Oh, I do well when I start talking about my personal life. And I hated it. <laughs> I'm like, this sucks. I don't want to share my personal life with strangers and they laugh at it. Like, this this shit's important to me. Yeah. But I realized, oh, the road to being a good stand-up is to take the filters off and just to talk freely about your life. Right. Not interested in that. It's funny because that's what, I, I mean, I'm like laughing to myself because obviously I have a podcast where I spend a lot of time laughing at myself and we laugh at ourselves. But I always say, I I want to always anchor it in teen years because that way you can get intimate without, you know, prying into someone's personal now life. Or your your current observations about the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then if that goes that way, great. But it's, I would never, I would never ask someone to come on the podcast and, and plan on anything other than like whatever we talk about can be in the past in a way that you can sort of, as a guest, you can kind of control how much or how little you want to talk about and yep. what you want to say and you have enough distance from it that in a perfect world you have some perspective and right. you can kind of see yourself more as the character in a story than right. in the moment where you know I would I'm much more apt to talk with someone about something that you know was painful for them in the past that you can sort of come out of and laugh at but it's much harder for me to have a conversation I remember when my cat died and I started bawling on oh, the podcast buddy. I was like god if I talked more with people in the present uh, and, and, and tough stuff came up, like that would be really hard. It'd be really hard. And I feel like, you know, I know I'm sure as you do like a lot of standups and like very successful ones. And I still like have this like thing where I feel sorry for him. Like, Oh, but you have to talk about yourself and your personal life for your living. Even though you're happy doing that, I'm like, ouch, Yeah, that must be hard because if they don't laugh or they like react poorly to it, that's like almost like worse than getting like, a hard rejection from an audition you really want. You know, yeah. it's like, I can't think of, they are putting themselves out there to a level I'm just not comfortable I, with. I, I, I have such respect for that Me level too. of bravery. Me too, man. And I agree that I don't feel like, some people think improv is brave and, you, and you're like, well, it's brave in a different way. It is, yeah. It's just, it's, you know, it, yeah. it's one thing to do something without a net because you have nothing planned. Right. And I understand that having a set list and having tried out material right. and having a sense that it's going right. to do okay and hoping and cultivating yeah. that is a different, is it that is different in people with those brains. Like it feels less, you know, right. it feels harder for them to imagine having right. nothing and going exactly. on a stage and oh, somehow totally. more personal versus like, no, once I've, once I've taken things in my life and I have run them through the filter of stand up. It actually, maybe it does feel like you get used to it and you're mm-hmm. like, no, this is actually very therapeutic. And, yeah. you know, I, it actually gives me distance from whatever it is I'm right. making f- fun of. Right. I completely understand if people would say that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it makes but sense I've on never paper. tried it to the yeah. point where I've just, you know, would know if that were true for me or not. Right. Right. And even the construction of like, because I do believe like, I mean, there, you know, I do like a lot of comedy that's meandering like, you know, George Carlin or even like David Cross. Who, they're really just storytellers. But so few people are able to do that successfully, I feel. So, the you know, the, the kind of like comedians I like who kind of blend jokes and stories, that's, a, uh, I think, a recipe for success. Yeah. But the crafting of like jokes, even I'm still so impressed by what, while I can be funny on the fly or react funny to things, I don't know if I could like craft an hour long set of jokes. Yeah. That seems so hard. It and to have really them seamlessly hard. run together. Yeah. It is quite, a, it's quite an amazing thing. Yeah. But you know, I do talk to standups who are like, I can't believe like you guys like, you know, perform a herald or like do long form improv. That makes no sense to me. You're like, someone yelled orange peel. And then for 45 minutes, you made everyone laugh. Yeah. So I guess it's just a mindset thing to where yeah. us, we're like, oh, but I'm hiding behind a character and like, I'm with great performers. So anything I say is going to be lifted, you know, yeah. like, but I don't know. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. This is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. And so I have to write material that makes sense and makes people laugh. I also have to think about what I'm saying to people. If I kick your ass, I'll make you famous. The fight to get LGBTQ representation in the show. Mm-hmm. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. I really just became a political speechwriter by accident. Accident of realizing that I have accidentally uh, pulled my pants down. <laughs> Listen and subscribe at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. It's like if the guinea pig was complicit in helping the scientist. I'm going to get into this MASH game. Ooh. I am going to uh, pick some categories. Some will be some favorites of mine. Some will be ones that hopefully will make sense in the context of what we've discussed. So, uh, Am I answering this as high school me? Or no, no whatever you me? want, but I would say no, it's today, not that, it's whatever really not would that excite different. you today. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Not involved there too much. There <laughs> you go. Uh, okay, so first category is three bands that you're totally buddies with and they're always like, come backstage on our show. And like, it's not one of those things where you come backstage and then they're talking to everybody else and you're like, why did I come backstage? It's like, you're the VIP. They're like, oh, Berg's back here. Shut up. Three. From any time, living <gasps> or dead, anything. This Three. excites me to no end just even thinking about I'm this. Okay, very glad. Pavement. Great. The Grateful Dead. Great. And I'm trying to think. John Coltrane. Great. Does that count even though he's not a band? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. I should have said it can be a single person for sure. I'm trying to do like, you know, different spectrums. Yeah. No, that's okay. great. Great, great, great. Okay. Uh, next one is three... Uh, movies that you can jump into and just be in without live. You know, you're not a character in it. You're not reliving the plot. It's just the world itself that you're able to just hang in. That is such a great question. Holy smoke! <laughs> um, I would say, uh, oh god, most of my movies are so dark. I don't know if I want to be in those worlds. Uh, yeah. Two thousand one. Great. That'd be such a weird world. Um, let's go with. Uh, uh, 
You officially have my favorite time. Thank you. I mean, also Star Wars just because it seems so neat and fun. And also, I know that this is a put you on the spot. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. I like that. I like that. I like that. And I would say, let's say with Willy Wonka. Great. Great, 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 great. God, I spent too much time as a child wishing that, that I could go to that chocolate factory. Me too, factory. me too. I mean, it really speaks to my sugar tooth. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I think it, I think I spent an uh, abnormal amount of time thinking about that you chocolate know, factory. it was just such a vibrant, fun world. And yeah. I, to be like that close to a guy like Gene Wilder, you just wanted that. You That's wanted also a piece true. Of that. He was so great. And the Oompa can stay on the other side. They, and I they, don't mean that because they're little people. Or do you? I mean that they were painted orange and saying saying chiding rhyming yeah. songs yeah. that made me feel bad about myself yeah you know when i watch it today when i see slugworth you know his kind of like do you still get a chill i do yeah he's like a fear trigger for me yeah so scary i'm so glad that you don't ever have to run into him unless you're oh, watching that movie oh yeah i know me it's too it's not I'm, like it's a I'm clown thrilled. yeah and we've probably lost the actor by now yeah. so Thank God. R.I.P. Slugworth. Yeah. Um, but you did want that everlasting guy. Yeah. Yes, oh, wait, no, he turned out to be a good guy. Yeah, no, oh, that's good. the thing. That's he's the still thing. He was good. <laughs> and it still scares me. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's the turn. He wasn't even bad. You know, like. <laughs> too late, buddy. Yeah. Too little, too late. Um, okay. Next category. Uh, it's a mash game that always involves Ooh, yeah. uh, alternate universe romantic life. Love so, it, love it, love it. Yeah. Get it. Got to get a, a crush or two in there. Three. Uh, people that from any era and they can also just be characters so it's right. like you know Winona Ryder as oh, blank okay. um, the character uh, at, yeah any era okay. any age okay, okay. god this is so good um, I would say Karen Allen you know from Indiana Jones I mean uh, just as yeah. a kid she was everything to me uh, I, and currently, <laughs> just sit with that for a second. <laughs> she was everything. Oh, I love her so much. I love oh, her so I love much. it. And I love the movie. She's in Starman, which I love the movie. Oh God, Starman! The movie makes me cry. I had the soundtrack just on my phone. Thinking about the movie makes me cry. <laughs> it's so good. I can't even. It's such a. Pe- he's such I a pacifist. So upset. Yeah, yeah. But that was one where I was so upset, but I powered through it and mm-hmm. i and i saw it more than once yeah because there were many movies that like you know oh. i've never seen good morning vietnam because my dad showed it to me when i was right younger and yeah. i started crying so hard within yeah. like the first 15 minutes right. that he was like you know what that's not the intention of this yeah. movie we're gonna go ahead and exactly. backpedal from this and i've still never seen it <laughs> i don't think you should i really, I, i'd like to help keep you away from Thank that movie <laughs> great 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 uh okay we got karen um niecy nash oh i have such a crush on her you know I haven't seen Claws yet. I haven't either, but I'm gonna. I wouldn't. People I'll watch me. anything she's people in. Tell, some, it's some some people's uh, favorite show on television. Oh, and really? I still haven't gotten to oh, it. Oh so god! I, gotta get I in think there. she's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. I uh, uh, um, let's say uh, Sherilyn Finn, Laura Palmer, because oh, okay. as a kid, that you know, I was like, wait, Sherilyn big... Finn, Audrey? Oh no, no, no! Uh, Sher- Laura Palmer. Well, you know what? Now that you say it, Sherilyn Finn, Audrey. Okay, yeah, because I was yeah. obsessed with both of them when I was younger as you should have been as was i they're beautiful they're beautiful as was i beautiful people um okay great next category is uh three were you just doing like an italian cook (laughs) (laughs) three pastas that you can't live without (laughs) well actually now that you say that i do always have to have the perennial favorite in uh in this reality that you and i are in right Mm -hmm. now there may be foods that you feel are um 
morally wrong to eat or you have an allergy yeah. or they're just high in calories right. and you can't and you, or you feel sick after you eat too much in this alternate reality um, food none it's all equal so you can have at the snap of your fingers anything that is bad for you for one reason or another in this life you can have here with guilt free Oh my God, that's inc- that. Yeah. That's like what, what I want my superpower to be. Yeah, consumption man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with guilt-free eating and like <laughs> consumption in the old yeah, days, exactly. but it was just like scoliosis. I think or I actually something. said that in press when we were doing press for VTS. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize it was like a kids show, and they uh-huh. asked me, I was like joking around being being a dork, and they asked they were asking about superheroes. Yeah, and I said consumption man. I could do any drug, and and the guy was like, then I Felicia was like, this is like a kids thing. Ah! I'm like, I'm like, just kidding about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, okay, so uh, three foods: pizza, great, French fries, great, and ice cream, great. All those things make me not feel good, but they taste so great. I know they taste it. So great. I know it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, let's do three. Well, you said superheroes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna twist it around Ooh, a little bit and say rather twist. than just straight superheroes, three heroes that you get to trade places with. So it could be it doesn't need to be like a Superman, it could be like an Indiana Jones. Right. You know what I mean? It could be a different kind of Okay, hero. not just in tights or mm-hmm. from the It could Marvel be Atticus universe. Finch. Like whatever you define as a hero. No, if I don't say Atticus, I know. Atticus Finch, I'm going to feel like a complete like, I don't jerk. see Martin Luther King. I'm <laughs> garbage. I'm garbage. Let's keep um, it to characters in fiction, first of all. Okay, I like that. I and like that. And it can be as playful as you want, or you can, yeah, it doesn't okay, matter. Okay, okay. I think... Um, I would like to be, uh, let's see, um, boy, oh boy, uh, I would like to be, um, shoot, uh, Richard, <laughs> uh, yeah, mm. you know, uh, Richard Farnsworth's character from the movie The Straight Story. Oh, I Ryan Lawnmower to go see his brother. Aww. I love that movie. I think, I think he's such a hero to me. Uh, I would like to be Spike Lee's character from Do the Right Thing. Great. That's one of my favorite movies from the 80s. And then I would like to be... He said Indiana Jones, so I don't want to do that. But you know who I like? I, I like never should have said it. Michael Douglas's character from Ransom Stone, Jack Colvin. Oh, great. Who's kind of like a funnier Indiana Jones. So That's I'll say true. him. Yeah. Great. Nice save. I love that movie, by the way. It holds up. It does. It does how about Jewel of the Nile? I guess it didn't it's hold up even at the time. Yeah, it, it, it's not as good. It's, yeah. You know, it's fun, though. Yeah. It's fun. Romancing the Stone. Yeah, yeah. that... Kathleen Turner was such a hero of mine. I mean, she's so good. The man with two brains, dude. She's great. You know, she's actually just as I mean, talent wise, Meryl Streep. She's chose a different path, man. Agreed. She's awesome. I agree. I love her still. I love her too. Yeah, she's a, she's. A and then she got Jessica Rabbit. I mean, dude, come on, so good. What's not to love? Okay, great. Romancing the Stone. All right, uh, three instruments that you wake up tomorrow and you you would love to just be fantastic at no no practice required guitar saxophone piano i did not see saxophone coming i'm very excited <laughs> i don't what look do you like think a saxophone man with a sax- like what is it like coltrane coltrane <laughs> well i would mostly do bits where i'd like take my shirt off and like flick my hair back and do and like play it for my wife when she woke up because she'd be so yeah. disgusted <laughs> by it that it would be so, give me so much pleasure to <laughs> disgust her on a daily basis grease your hair back to play. It just seems Babe, like don't ask. Don't ask. Don't ask. I know you'll artist. hate this, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the bit of it would just be so oh fun. Oh my god. Uh, okay, give me three places in the world that you would love to have a vacation home. Doesn't matter if you've even actually been oh, there yet. If right. getting there were no object. Uh, Bozeman, Montana. Nice. Bergen, Norway. Nice. And I've never been to Vermont, but I feel like Vermont. Great. Somewhere in Vermont. 
great. In the forest. Great. great, great. I'm very mountainsy. I am I'm, too. I'm, I'm mountain based. Uh, I do. I feel the same way. I, it's all, I, I, I've said it before. I think that I'm slightly agoraphobic. Like I, when I get in a wide open space, yeah. I get uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I was really nervous about like going on a cruise ship and stuff. But yeah. somehow I was okay with that. But I feel like I'm developed. I've developed a light case of agoraphobia. Yeah. I just want to be in hills. I think from living in San Francisco for so long. Yeah. And also Tucson is in the basin of a series of four mountain it is, ranges. It is. So You're you really are right by up the against outside. it. Yeah. yeah. I'm from the Midwest. It's too open. Yeah. I'm not that comfortable in there anymore. Oof. Open field. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> Trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so vulnerable. Uh, okay. Um, last one for you is three. Let's do uh, three. Oh God! I just had it. Hold on! Hold oh, on! Hold on! Oh. Three oh j- three um, comedic people, whether they be stand up or sketch or just a funny actor or fun- in funny films, that um, that let's say the chances of you getting to work with them are slim to none, probably because it was before your time or they right. just aren't doing it anymore. Um, that it would be amazing to have collaborated with and like been performed with or written oh, with. Oh my lord. Um, that is an incredible question. Uh, I would say Billy Wilder, the director. Oh, nice. Um, I would say, weirdly enough, because I feel like I, I probably rip off Dabney Coleman more than anything. Great. I think he was such a great character actor. Um, and let's go with Bill Hicks. Great. Because I loved his mind. I thought he was such an incredible writer and stand-up. Perfect. Uh, okay, I'm just going to do my little squiggle for one like, second so I can then sure, sure, do this sure. elimination. So just tell me when to stop. And stop. Great. I'm going to pause this. Is that the right amount of time? I think you do. Okay. okay. Uh, we're going to find out what your 100% guaranteed MASH future is Ooh. in just moments. Okay, I first of all, I need to rip off this Band-Aid. You did end up with a shack. But your that's shack fine. is in Bozeman, Montana. Oh, my God. That's like a little that's cabin. Like, that's like the Unabomber. What, you want some mansion? You'd feel horrible. No, 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 no. Living no. I'm, in some, I'm a like, non-materialist. Super uppity, yeah. Yeah, that's not me. So you got a cozy shack slash cabin in Bozeman. Do we have indoor plumbing? Uh, yeah, it definitely has indoor okay, plumbing. that's all I want to know. It definitely I'm has happy. indoor plumbing. This actually makes sense to me because I know it's probably in kind of a remote area. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to be able you sort of have, you can probably like walk around naked. No sure, one's going to see that's you. That's what You're I want. in the middle of a forest. Practice your sacks. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I don't know what that even means. Grease your hair Oh, my back. saxophone. <laughs> I was like, my saxophone. Like, I don't understand. Is this some new? <laughs> yeah, no, you're a yeah, yeah, saxophone yeah, 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 maestro. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. So saxophone maestro with a cabin in Bozeman. Um, I want to uh, congratulate you on your lifelong friendship with a Grateful Dead. <gasps> Perfect. That's so exciting. So fantastic. If you just want to get out on the road with them yes, a little bit. I might too. Don't even worry about it. You know who I know is going to work around your schedule is Billy Wilder. Shut He's going to go up. ahead and work around your schedule. That's so great. Um, now, sometimes as great as this all sounds, you still might want to get away and like kind of disappear into another adventure of sorts, knowing that you're safe and protected from harm. Uh, you're going to go ahead and jump right into Star Wars. <gasps> okay. So that gives you access to a lot of different worlds right there. Whoa, that's a different you, reality. You tell. almost wish for more wishes. Absolutely. So good job on that. Uh, you uh, can spend some time in the shoes of, I already forgot his name, but Michael, um, Michael Douglas's character. Jack Colvin? <laughs> oh my Michael God. Michael Douglas's character. Yeah, Jack Colvin. 
That's um, so cool. So that's going to be a fun thing to try on. Oh, uh, crocodile boots and everything. Oh, my God. It's going to be great. So that's cool. not, you know, listen, he has a lot of adventures. He works up an appetite. I want you to know you can have unlimited pizza. What? Zero negative ramifications. Oh, my God. This is so Unlimited great. pizza. But make sure you save uh, some for Karen Allen. Oh, my God. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So that, my friend, is your 100% guaranteed MASH future. How is there's no downside? I know. There is no downside. I don't, I don't like a downside. I, I want you to Karen's be happy, happy with whatever you get. She might have, She's going to be fine. She's going to cose up in there. You think she'll be fine with that? It's going to be great. I just hope her you know, Malibu living tastes haven't. She needs to get. She needs to get into the forest you know and what? get back to nature. Okay, this is incredible. That's actually. <laughs> I don't know if you've had the experience of having that read off to you, but it's very exciting. Don't you Just feel like, like you won was. something? Just like it was as a kid. Yeah, it was very. I do feel like I won something. It, gets, I never it win. puts you in touch with things that you are excited. You get to think about a bunch of your favorite things all at once. It's a. It's a very optimistic experience. I think. And as lovely as Karen Allen be, I think Niecy Nash would be probably a little better in mm-hmm. that scenario. Yeah, but oh, you maybe. know what? That's that's what life gave me. That's what. Oh. That's, what That's your me. burden. That's my burden. That's your burden to bear. <laughs> we'll uh, make it work. We'll buddy, make it work. The here only I. thing that I did not warn you about, um, and I'm sorry that I didn't, okay. that I'm springing you on, but I'm, right. I think probably you'll be okay, okay. Um, is that I do like to have, because I only podcast boys in the summer, right. I do like to have them try to sing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Oh, yeah, sure, uh, of course. I'd okay, be happy great. To. <laughs> yeah. Do most people put up a fight? I mean, <laughs> 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 You're like already singing it. Yeah, I've been practicing in my car. I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't know, but somehow I knew. I'm ready whenever you are, whatever little snippet you want to provide. I feel like I'm not sure if I'm going to, like, okay. I can see you. Your breath is shining in the dawn. I don't know the words, but. And I can see you, my love for you is turning gone after the blood of summer has gone. Oh, that is a good song. So many things I want to say. I'm going to limit it to two. Number one, that is the most sincere without actually singing the right lyrics. Thank you. Well, yeah. I've ever had. I'm it's committed. either been jokey all the way through, like including the way it's being yeah, sung well, or sincere with actually knowing the lyrics. Yeah. You have merged those two worlds so successfully. Thank you. Thank you. And then to add in some sort of twangy, almost instrumental. Yeah. yeah. Al- almost yeah. video game version of right. the ending music. Right. I mean, there's a part of me that wanted to go delve deeper into that, but yeah. I'm just, I don't think the podcast is ready for it. <laughs> It's I'm I'm we'll on the wrong show for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, Steve Berg, thank you so oh, much. Oh, Janet, over. what a pleasure! I, I wish I could say that this killed my love of podcasting with you, so that we could get out of our system. I'm not even close. Oh no, I'm not even. Well, close. now we'll, you'll have to start another one just so we can do it again. I guess I'm gonna have to. Oh. Uh, and thank you for letting me be a boy of summer. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. I'm pleased, and I'm pleased to uh, bring you another episode next week, everybody. Goodbye, wonderfuls. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.